Welcome to Empowered Communication. I am Meredith Hawley, a workplace conflict mediator, communication coach, and attorney. And I'm Megan Mellon, a social impact strategist focused on large-scale systems change. This podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to substitute for legal advice or for therapy. Laws are different in every state in the United States, especially when it comes to employment law and in every country, they're also different. If you have concerns about your workplace experience, we encourage you to seek counseling, seek therapy, seek any modality that might help you and to get legal advice from an attorney in your area. Today, we're talking about bullying at work sorting out the accountability in a situation where you may be experiencing harm in a hostile work environment. What do we do when we encounter a bad apple? What do we do if we're worried we are the bad apple, either in general or if we say something? Whether you are facing a bully or worried you might be the bully, what do we do and how do we think about this space? The answer to these questions lies along the pathway of the topic of accountability, our third pillar of empowered communication. We started by talking about boundaries and all their nuance. We dealt with reprogramming hegemony in the last episode. And today we are talking about what we mean by accountability and how this third pillar can simplify the process of dealing with and disentangling next steps when we find ourselves in a confusing and hostile work environment. Meredith, some people, when they hear accountability, think it's like the lazy people police coming to say that you have been shamefully negligent and not doing your homework or what you should have been doing. Sometimes we think accountability is about proving who's bad so that we can discard them and make it clear that all the bad things are their fault. However, you have this other viewpoint on accountability that is not just neutral. It's like, it's mathematical. What do you mean when you say accountability and how does this fit into the empowered communication toolkit? What do you mean by accountability is math? So accountability to account comes from the Latin word for to count. So the word itself means math. It means something measurable. So Mm -hmm. I had a mentor who would say there's math and there's drama and Mm -hmm. the math is not drama. So if you feel drama, Mm -hmm. then you're not looking at the math. And this, this is like a business advice thing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people start businesses and they think, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. But if you look at your math, your math is actually working. It's just not working at your brain's level of what should magically happen. But accountability is similar. If we feel charged about a topic, it's difficult to take accountability. If we think that our identity is wrapped up in a topic, who we are, our values, our worth as a human, it's difficult to look at the math of did something happen? Did I take actions? Did I get a particular result? Mm. Uh, In the impact model, we look at it as did I take an action and what was the consequence? Did I not take an action? What was the consequence? As Mm. a literal yes or no, black or white checkbox, did this happen or do I disagree that it happened? And I feel like you're also kind of saying here, like when I hear accounting in this way, 
I kind of view like you're making a T chart. There's a line across the page. Then there's a line up and down. And on one side is my job, like my stuff or my choices. And on the other side is your choices. So like one of the things we talk about fairly frequently is the situation you found yourself in where somebody's putting their hand on your shoulder at work and you're not right. game for that. I think sometimes we end up in those situations where we feel threatened and small thinking like, oh my God, like, what have I done to deserve this? Like you kind of talked about how you found yourself. You're like, oh my God, like, I don't know. Do I deserve to be here? Do I belong? All this stuff. But the accounting in this situation is actually, wait a minute, what are my choices? What are someone else's choices? Someone else is choosing to put their hand on your back. Like that's what's happening on their side of the column. Right. Your side of the column is the impact model, right? How we think, how we respond or how we don't respond, probably out of training. Right. But their hand on your back is on their side of the line. Right. That's the math. The drama is like, oh my God, have I been magnetizing this behavior? All the negative messages that we have received. Right. Am I wearing the wrong clothes? Am Am I causing him to touch me? Am I just so bad at my job that, I'm being abused. And all those of are that. questions I notice, like in the way that they show mm-hmm. in our head and ex- in this example, they're mm-hmm. questions. And the questions are kind of like, these are the days of our lives. Like, <laughs> will the family make it through this turbulent time where the grandmother is having an affair with the hairdresser's son? Like <laughs> they're, they're cliffhangers, right? That's the drum. But we mm-hmm. in accountability world, we are like boiling it down. We are getting it on the paper. We are saying their choice was to interrupt the meeting, screaming about how the problem in this workplace is that the women are taking over, right? That's their choice. That's their choice. And my choice, for example, might be I sit there blinking and not saying anything because I think it's best for everybody if we just let the situation go away on its own. You know, that might be in mind. Should I have said something? You know, it's this whole right, thing. right, right, right. I think the most effective way to look at accountability and to make it math is to remove any adjectives, remove any adverbs, remove anything that is descriptive and, and make it as simple as caveman talk as possible. Um, so hand on my shoulder is on his side of the line. I am not talking is on my side mm-hmm. of the line. I usually, when I think about accountability, I think about actions and consequences. I don't really think about thoughts and feelings. I don't think that mm-hmm. we are accountable for thoughts and feelings because in my experience, thoughts just happen. Like it's like mm-hmm. saying I'm accountable for my blood pumping. Like that's not really, I mean, what are you going to do? Not pump your blood. What are you going to do? Not have thoughts. Like right. we have random, ridiculous, absurd thoughts all day long. We have misunderstandings. Like never going to give you up. Your brain probably will say, never going to let you down. Like, is it our fault? They just just rolled our podcast. Like never going to turn around. And you know, like, you know, it's like, it's no one's fault. It was no one's fault that it was in my own head. I don't know. I think that is your fault. Okay. Well, look, all right. There's the drama. Save the drama for the llama. Okay. Because this is the math part. Look, I said what I said, all right? But you thought what you thought. But I live in a society that's filled with brick rolls. I mean, I'm making a joke, obviously. Yeah. But like, I'm with you. Like the thoughts happen. That's, you know, that we put that over here. (laughs) I did just brick roll us. That's so funny. I'm so glad that came up. Um, Yeah, but that is true. We got the math. 
that is true. Like you get thoughts stuck in your head. You get songs stuck in your head. Like our brains just pump thoughts all day long. I don't think that thoughts and feelings are a space of accountability. I think actions and consequences are the math space. Because also we project people's feelings and thoughts all the time. All like the we time. can't know. It's like, I can know about mine. You can know about yours. I can't prove anything about yours. Like the logs aren't that good. So the thoughts and feelings kind of go, if you imagine two, two circles or two sheets of paper, thoughts and feelings go on the left side, you know, on the journal, put those in the journal. But then this accounting ledger is where it's like my stuff, your stuff. We're keeping it in caveman talk. And one of the things you say is taking the charge out of it. Right. First thing. So if you're looking at impact model, the IMP, the imp part of the impact model, that's what you take off of your accountability ledger. And then the AC, mm-hmm. and you could even put the T mm-hmm. in your accountability ledger, because if you have a theme that's coming up a lot, then that might be a space where you have some like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, you know, like where you might have some ability to make a shift. You might have some room to take accountability. And when I think about taking accountability, I'm like, yes, how, where can I take up power? Where can I take mm-hmm. up space? Where can I make an impact? It's not a bad thing. Taking accountability means I own what I have done. I own the results I got and I can make an impact there. So when we talk about neutralizing it though, like just the simplest way to think about neutralizing is taking off the adjectives, taking Mm -hmm. off the adverbs, taking out any words that are charged. So if you say he needs to be accountable for bursting into my room and yelling at me, even though those are verbs, they're not they're still so descriptive and so charged. You kind of want to de-escalate that and say, he stood in my room. He opened mm-hmm. the door. He stood in my yes. room. I don't know if you ever came across this. There's, you know, the like famous old book that's like the art of war. Then yeah. somebody wrote this book called the war of art. Yeah. 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 Basically, like to make a story really sticky and like really scintillating, raise the stakes. Like that's what you do is you're like, okay, mm-hmm. we have sharks. Okay, there's sharks, mm-hmm. but you're like, or snakes, you know, there's, there's snakes in the grass. No, there's snakes on a plane. Like mm-hmm. look what we did. We elevated it. <laughs> I'm like on a pop culture roll today. We <laughs> elevated it. It's all in the sky. Like the stakes are higher and people can't stop thinking about it. Right. But then in this situation, what we're going to do is we are going to land that plane. We are taking down the stakes. Yeah. Actually, if you missed last episode, go look at last episode or click back through. Meredith's impact model has you just really break down the thinking in something that is triggering. You know, you look at the incident, you look at the meaning, what it meant to you and the physiology, what happens in your body around it. Not to like get rid of it, but we like validate and like get curious about the logic of that stuff. Then the act is action. Like what does that body state compel from your body? Like what's natural next flow, the consequence, then what happens and the theme, like what this registers. So I actually really like, I think there's something really cute where you're like, there's the imp and there's the act. I'm like the imp is the demon that is tormenting us. Like the torment goes on drama side and the act is the stuff that like a little movie reporter or court reporter would be like, you know, the man threw the hat on the floor or the man removed the hat. All right, fine. Caveman talk. So you're saying that one of the ways that we can be more powerful, take power in the workplace is by sorting these two things out. And I want to address as you say that, but a lot of us until we meet you are like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to take power in the workplace. Mm. I really like when people take power over Mm -hmm. me, but here's the thing about the workplace. When you are hiring people, 
You need those people to show up mm-hmm. in their capability. Mm-hmm. And I, I think here we mean power with mm-hmm. power for capability and ability to deliver. Even though we might've been trained that when we're in our power, other people might feel uncomfortable. When mm-hmm. we have a job to do, if we are not claiming our power, if we're not claiming our capability and standing in our authority, not our authoritarianism, that's not what I'm talking about, but if we right. are not showing up and filling and fulfilling our role with boldness, then it actually is worse for the organization. It's worse right. for the mission. It's worse for the customers. It's worse for the company. It's like some of the lights in the house are dim. Nobody's trying to go to somebody's holiday light display. And the third of the lights are afraid that if they shine too brightly, right. you know, they're going to hurt somebody's eyeballs. That's not, that's not the thing. This is kind of a tangent, but I always envision this model of organizations of companies and of like public entity, you know, nonprofits that is kind of almost a a nested version where each person's level of power, I say the word power, but it could, you could use a different word, but power means creating safe spaces and creating safe containers, creating thriving, not dominance and, Mm. and oppression where power means nurturing. It's vitality. We're talking power together. We're saying this is red Rover are we holding our hands tightly? Yeah. This is 100% the vibe. And that doesn't mean your power is characterized that way. But when I think that is one of the hard realities that we need to get clear is that in chronically disempowering work environments, we're getting mixed messages like, hey, you got to do your job, but you have to like tiptoe around. No, it doesn't work. Right. We need to claim our power. We need to claim that being empowered is required for us to do and fulfill our job. It's a good thing. It's a gift to the company and the team. And that is part of what this accounting is allowing us to do. It's saying in this creepy situation, these are my actions. These are somebody else's actions. And then once we start to document that, like the math, we can start to talk very clearly about the impact it's having on the work environment. And that's very different than the kind of the dream, the drama of it, the high stakes of it, that sometimes can feel really unsafe to talk about at work. Like sometimes we don't really want to go to our boss and be like, Steve is making me feel like I'm a grub in a cheeseburger. Like how would our boss even respond? So I guess that's one of my questions. Like here in this accountability area, we know we're putting the imp incident meaning physiology, we're putting that in the journal. Okay. We're not ignoring it. We're like listening, but then we're getting this other ledger of action consequence theme. So for example, in my situation, I, at some point realized that about 70% of my brain power was being taken up thinking about my own safety and trying Mm -hmm. to navigate whether I was in danger or not. My work product at that point was not great. I'll be honest. Like I was so distracted that I couldn't get things done on time. I couldn't remember assignments. I was not operating at capacity. And that's not to say it's unreasonable that that was my result. But on my accountability side, I can put demand letter not finished on Monday, demand letter finished on Wednesday. And it's Um, not blaming. That's the thing. No, no blaming over there. There's no self-shaming. There's no, I'm the worst. This is not self-flagellating. It just is literally counting hand on my shoulder, his side demand letter finished on Wednesday, my side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then there we go. So we, you have that ledger, right? You have that spelled out in your situation. What do you do next? 
in terms of communication, it can yeah. be pretty powerful to take accountability and people don't really know what to do with it, honestly. So for example, if you're in a work situation and you're encountering a bully, uh, a lot of times what we'll say is stop describing me is like in your situation, like someone's just describing you every day. So you can say, please stop describing me. Then what happens often is we've been trained to get defensive. Right. So the bully then says, I'm just being nice. It's just a joke. What's wrong with you? I'm not bad, right? That's the defensive reaction. Mm -hmm. You just criticize me every day. And then if you are taking accountability, you're in a non-defensive stance. Byron Katie says, defense is the first act of war. Mm -hmm. And it's a powerful quote, I think, because sometimes we do want to defend ourselves. Sometimes we do want to be in a war space, we do want to clarify reality. We want to say what happened. But when we notice ourselves being defensive, when we notice ourselves feeling defensive, I always am curious if there's some place where we're giving the other person more power than they actually have. So in this situation, him saying, I'm not a bad person. You never said he's a bad person. You just said, please stop, stop describing me, right? So he's now escalating it to where you then, if you want to take it, have the opportunity to explore whether he actually is a bad person. He's kind of inviting you to, but we then often get defensive back and we say, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not accusing you of anything. So then you have two defensive people kind of interacting with each other, which creates a lot of disempowerment and conflict, mm -hmm. right? This is our worst nightmare. This is why we don't right. want to, we don't want this whole thing to spill out. Right. And it's super common for that to happen. And it's totally makes sense to be afraid to say, stop describing me because we don't want them to be defensive. We don't want to be defensive. We don't want to be in a conflict with them. Or like, or like the, like I'm rubber, your glue where they're like, well, you're describing me right now. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, there is no, what, what do I even say? You're like, I shouldn't have said anything. Right. Right, right. So if we can be non-defensive, if we can notice, we can let it come up. We can feel the feelings. And then if we can shift towards literally what did happen and literally what is the outcome that you want to have, like just mm -hmm. as a math situation, mm -hmm. the defensiveness kind of becomes silly at that point. Mm -hmm. Like you can kind of notice like you're just solving a math problem. You're not protecting your identity or protecting who you are or trying to protect someone else's feelings, protect mm -hmm. the person who's describing you's feelings so that mm -hmm. they don't attack you. That all is a lot of energy. If you can just literally look at what are the actions that I took, what are the actions that the other person took and what is the outcome that I want? How do those match up and how can we improve that? You can enlist the other person to help you get mm -hmm. the outcome that you want instead. Mm -hmm. so, it so I might say like, if you're like, well, I didn't mean anything by it and you're taking it the wrong way. I don't need to like bite on that thing. Right. Cause that's like a drama hook and right. I'm not doing that. I'm staying over here with the math. And so then I can just continue to clarify the little answer that I want to my formula, which is called, you know, what I... I'm wanting is to stop being touched. Right. And I'm just going to tell you when I feel that way, you know, and that 
is what I'm practicing. One of my weirdest moments in life, once I had a breakup with somebody and I was really not excited. I don't know if you've ever had to do this. I was like, I don't even know how to do it. And so I love to Google for stuff. So I Googled and found a WikiHow article on how to break up with somebody. Nice. It's basically like, you, okay, here's what you do. You go to their house. You say, you don't do anything else. You just say, hey, I think we need to have a conversation. You sit on the couch and you say, you you basically say the purpose of this conversation is to discuss the terms of our separation, which is kind of how you fire people yeah. from the business school. Yeah. You're basically like, I realize this relationship is not working for anymore for me anymore. And so I'm going to be ending the relationship. Then according to WikiHow, you pause. Then they say a bunch of stuff. That's yeah. even what it says. They're like, they say a bunch of stuff and you just be with it. All right. You sit yeah. on the couch and they're saying all the stuff. And there could be bantering or bartering. There could be all these different phases. And you sit there while the stuff is happening. And then once the stuff is done happening, you say, it's a really challenging situation. And I appreciate that this is not an ideal topic right now. And this this is what's right for me and my path. And, and then they say yeah. whatever they say. Yeah. And then you stand up. And you leave the house. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You don't get into anything. No. You don't stay for dinner. You don't stay for Netflix and chill. No. You, you don't leave argue the with them or no. show and you then, the, so them the facts of why it's a good idea or justify yourself. You or, move to the door. Yeah. yeah. And then when you're at the door, they may say things, in which case you are present. And then you get on your bike and you drive away. Like this is yeah. just clearly laid out. And I love like instructables yeah. and stuff. It's clearly laid out at the door. The person I needed to break up with at that time was like, you know, this was fun. We should, I'm really going to miss your friends. I was like, that's so interesting. We don't really have a tight relationship there, but I wasn't biting, right? You don't bite. Right. I really, I'm really going to miss your friends. Also, this was fun and we should do it again sometime. And I was like, got it. And then I got on my bike <laughs> and I rode forth. That is what I did. Why? Not I because did. I knew what I was doing. It's because I read the instructable or read the yeah. wiki. Thank you. Wiki how this is not a sponsored podcast. This is earned <laughs> media. Okay. And then I went away. So what I, I think this is what you're calling on here. Yeah. You're like, no, no, when you do the communication, it is a structured process yes. because you have your accounting. And so what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to have kind of a breakup conversation. I'm going to have a reshaping conversation, an empowered conversation right. with this person. And I'm going to say, I'm breaking up with your hand on my back. Hello, yes. please do not touch me at work. And yeah. they're going to say what they say. Well, you're so sensitive and nobody else has ever said that. And nobody else is uncomfortable. And I'm just trying to be nice. And this is how I do belonging. And you said it, your intro, the belonging was your most important part. And you say, I realize this is a really uncomfortable conversation, but what I am really wanting is to stop being touched previously when I haven't told you that I don't desire that while it's happening you couldn't have known. I don't know. Maybe you say something generous like that. And you, you say can. at this point, or, or you don't even have to, but you're like, that is, that is really all I'm asking for here, Jerry. And then they might say other stuff like, but I'm going to miss you so much. And you say, I really get it. And then you just go to the copier and you recycle your paper work. That is yeah. what you do. And then we just move forward. And sometimes, sometimes in what they say, that's defensive they will say something like, I would never describe you. That's not who I am. And then you can say back to them, thank you for confirming that you're not going to describe me going forward. Love it. Love like, it. I appreciate that we're on the same page about this. If I notice you describing me, is there a way that you'd like me to alert you to it? So we but are being targeted. We are being specific. We are being intentional. 
and extremely focused on the outcome and the goal. We are staying in the math formula. This conversation A plus whatever else comes back at us, B equals C, the goal. So when B comes, we're like, that's fine. We're going for C. And then we are practicing not taking on any of the things that they say back. Right. Because we have already done the accounting. We've already processed our stuff. So we know it's appropriate. If they're like, well, you need to take accountability because you bumped into me and it felt weird six months ago. Then you could be like, I care about that. And that's not what I'm doing. You don't even have to get embroiled in it. We're right. being targeted and focused and we are not getting involved in the drama. This is boundaries. That's right. the first principle. If they're like people like you are always saying this and you're just, you're just like every other woman. We're like, aha, the hegemon, right. <laughs> you know, they're trying to bait me into agreeing that all people like me are doing all this stuff. We're not biting there. And so then we are simply requesting sometimes, accountability. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you can say, yeah, I think that most humans don't like to be described. That's something that I've noticed. I think it's yeah. probably true of women too, that most women don't like to be described at so work. So we're seeing very, very observational. And it's okay to agree with them. Like when we're in a defensive space, a lot of times we will disagree with something that we actually know is true just because mm -hmm. we're in a stance of they have to be wrong in order for me to get the result that I want. They don't have to be wrong in order for you to get the result that you want. Mm -hmm. That's sort of a lie that we a lot of times believe. They could be partially wrong. They could be all right and still not willing to contribute to the result that you want. So mm -hmm. at some point with the example of the please don't describe me, boundary violation, right? At some point they might say, no, I'm going to continue to do that every day. And then you have to decide what actions you're going to take. So how you're going to enforce that boundary to protect yourself, to still get the result that you want, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. Sometimes we say you, I, I've seen this with some friends that I have lately where one friend acted in a particular way that another friend didn't appreciate. And the first friend said, yes, I'm going to continue to act that way. So like, if you don't like it, mm -hmm. that is okay. And that's valid, mm -hmm. but that's who I am. And it's how mm -hmm. I'm going to act. I mean, the classic example of this is when a kid comes out as gay and the parents mm -hmm. are like, don't gay anymore. Unfortunately, that might be uncomfortable based on your thoughts that you have about mm -hmm. what it means to be gay, but I'm going to continue to gay. And so there's like negotiation and space sharing issues that come up there. Yeah. And there is this, uh, there is this outward dialogue on expectation setting. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get trained to fear that kind of conflict, especially if we're trained that we need to be likable, deferential, right. et cetera, or else we're being difficult. Right. But I think there is so much power and noticing that those interpretations actually belong in the journal part mm -hmm. you know like yeah. that we're being melodramatic whatever that goes in the journal part All this part judgments. is just about the behaviors the yeah. other thing that is absent here from this conversation is the thing where we're like i really need them to understand my point of view mm -hmm. because they might not and that isn't your job but you get to speak about their behavior and then there might be other grieving that needs to happen there might totally. be other processing you need to do to say well this person's going to be this way and you know, kind of to your point earlier about the, the imp and the act, it's a little bit like, you know, what am I going to do next? Right. How do I need to experience my working environment and how can I 
create thinking that is my new practice to support me in doing that in a way that keeps myself safe. Right. I had a couple of thoughts about what you, like one thing that I say to people I work with a lot is most of us are taught teachers have to like us in order for us to get an A plus parents Mm -hmm. have to like us in order for us to be safe. And that is true when we're kids, like Mm -hmm. it is so, so fair, but when we're adults, we have a lot more authority and a lot more impact in our spaces. And sometimes it's not terrible for people to be a little scared of you instead of liking you. Yeah. And and yeah, it's very easy to be like, think of somebody you don't like who doesn't seem to care. Do you realize how hard they are to get rid of in your mm-hmm. life? Like, it's actually pretty hard to discard them. Like, who doesn't all care about? Don't get fired if you like them. Oh, you know? there are difficult people who don't care if you like them, and they just oh yeah, keep, they keep working there. Yes, and here yes. we are trying to get everybody to like us because yes. otherwise we'll get discarded. And it's like, no, if you have an unlikable colleague, congratulations, you have an unlikability tolerant workplace. Yeah, like it's yeah. okay. I mean, and you can also be completely likable and have people be scared of you because a lot of times when women talk, men are scared of them. When black people talk, white people, yeah, yeah, white people are scared of them, but that's their own process of hegemony. That's their programming that says it's scary for someone with these characteristics to talk. There's really like, that's their job. That's on their side of the line. On our side of the line is how do I show up? What are the results I want? What do I want to create in my workplace? And who do I want to be in that space? There was a coach today who said, you know, it's okay to show up in your greatness in a way that has other people wondering if this is the right space for them. Like if they're like, oh no, you know, it's like, that is actually okay. And being in our forthrightness, being in our accountability and also directly requesting and prompting and correcting accountability, especially for our safety and respect so that we can contribute where we're there to contribute and we're being paid to contribute. You know, if someone else becomes uncomfortable for that, we can let them go through the work right. called, is this space for me? I don't really like being prompted this way. And that can be a growth opportunity. We don't have to shrink away. Right. Or is this space for me? I have all this like white supremacist programming, all this homophobic programming that I need to deal with. Like that's their room for growth. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I need to take some time and medical leave to go and deal with these beliefs that I have where I'm ending up so threatened and defensive because other colleagues of mine are requesting basic respect and mutually negotiated standards. And, and I guess you have to take medical leave in the future. Yeah. So the people getting touched undesirably. It's the people who are like, I don't know why, but I think everybody else's body belongs to me. Like, can somebody please help me? <laughs> I need I need to call the employee assistance program because my entitlement beliefs are creating alienation among my colleagues. That's a healthy work environment. Right. That is constructive for the company's bottom line and everyone's ability to produce power together. I also think you don't have to be mean in order to be clear. You don't have, you can do all of this in integrity and in the way that you want to show up. It doesn't have to be alienating to anybody, but people may experience alienation based on their own discrimination and their own thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we're going to be clear and specific and we, it doesn't have to be intense, but it it can create a culture called from this point forward, I call it when I see it. 
Yeah. And we can run small experiments like this, right? Before going to the big Koopa at the end of the Mario thing. It's like, nope, we can do a little one. We can see how it feels. Like at some point I just decided I want to be anti-racist to the extent that I can. And that means that when I see something racist happen, whether I did it or whether some other person did it, honestly, sometimes even whether I see a person of color do it, I'm going to say, whoa, racist. Did you mean to do that? And that's just going to be my commitment. Like, I don't have to be like, I now hate you. Mm. Like, I'm just like, that felt a little racist. What's going on there? Let's just call it, label it Mm. at least, and then deal with what it means to invite the other person to also create an anti-racist environment. And not let it go on unspoken. And this is one of the things we talk about sometimes. It's just like, what is it like to be in an environment where the bystanders are super silent? And then how do we start as a bystander, you know, and just practice there and then get bolder and bolder about the ongoing commitment to not be silent when it's not working. And that goes, I think that goes back to what we talked about in the title of the episode of bullying at work. Mm. When we speak about issues, sometimes people will come to us and say, you're bullying me because you said I was racist. You're Mm. bullying me because you said I was sexist. I do not agree that that is bullying. And so I am not going to say, yes, I'm accountable for bullying you. I will agree that I said you were racist. And so I will be accountable that I said that. I do not agree with the characterization of it. Does that make sense? So I think that when we are dealing with bullies at work, when we're dealing with intentionally predatory or abusive people, a lot of times they will try to turn our clarity into confusion Mm -hmm. and it's okay to just disagree with them. You get to not share reality with people Mm -hmm. and it's not your obligation to convince them to share Mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. And I think saying I disagree like, or I will reflect on this and I disagree And then we end the conversation, right? It's like at the end of the breakup, you go to the door and then you get on your bike and they say whatever they say, and then you move forward and we create space. But then when something like that comes up, you actually do get to go back and do the process again, right? We do the journaling. We can reflect on like bullying. Ooh, there's charge in that. Okay, cool. Let's examine the charge. Let's get it all clear. The fire alarm is going off. There's feelings happening again. Okay, cool. Let's talk about bullying. What don't we like about that? What we want to do? And then we just run the accountability process again. We're like, we said this, they said this, this is what it looks like. It sounds like what you're saying is you would like me to not tell you when your behavior is harming the working environment. Am I hearing that correctly? And we just neutralize it and we get it more clear, more specific and more mathematical and they're like, and we find out what it's like. You can even say, it sounds like you don't want me to use the word racist in, in this workplace. How would you prefer that? Yeah. Or like, how would you, I'm going to continue to use that word. And that might be uncomfortable for you. Like that's an important word to me to use for me. I'm personally, I'm never going to, if somebody comes to me and says, don't use the word racist in this work environment, I'm going to be like, that sounds hard for you. Like that's uncomfortable, but I'm going to continue to do that. And you need to deal with your discomfort around that word because I think it's important for us to use that word. Um, I have to tell you, I have to tell you the story though, that I thought of while you were talking. Okay. So my friend's little daughter, she's like really amazing child. She's like, she was, I think seven when this happened, but my friend was like, Oh, 
you should tell Mare what happened at school today. Like she'll have some good perspective about it. And so I was like, oh yeah, what happened? And, and she was like, well, this girl in my class, she has a very difficult home life, but that is no excuse for the way that she behaves. And she was very mean to me today. And she would not stop telling me that I was doing something wrong. I forget what it was. And I was like, how did you tell her to stop? And she holds her hand straight up, like at me, like just a full stop sign. And I was like, well, that's a good way to tell someone to stop. Did that work? And she was like, well, I got in trouble for poking her in the eye. And I disagree with that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, did it? and her mom had come back at this point and she goes, but she did poke her in the eye. Right. And she was like, well, yes. <laughs> agree with that. I was like, oh, you're a little genius. It turned out that she had held her hand out like a stop sign and then bent her fingers to poke her. It's the same as workplace dynamics, right? It's the same thing. So, and I actually, I, I love this story. And I also think that like slowing it down, backing out and gaining that perspective, just lets us see like when we are behaving in that manner, like we do not need to get embroiled into the tangle of it. Mm-hmm. It may not serve us. Maybe we need to. I don't know. Yeah, but like I it mean, may not serve us to get. I love entangled. drama too. I I'm mm-hmm. not anti-drama. I, get I the love the drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. it's like we can distinguish it. This also kind of shows us when it comes to bullies, when it comes to some of these these challenging topics in the workplace, the three pillars of empower communication work together. Our boundaries. Our reprogram hegemony. Meredith is not agreeing that she's not going to say racist. She's like, actually, that's not in the scope of what I'm going to agree to. And if someone's like, well, you're a harpy and a shrew, like it won't have any power because she's, we've got a handle that we're practicing here on not amplifying antagonizing language toward ourselves and instead holding a space of respect and compassion and not amplifying like things like misogyny or negative messaging that disempowers people. And then the third one here, this accountability piece, we can always come back here, sorting out A from B. And then also sometimes we might need more support. We realize like for the pieces that are, we might say dramatic, but also we might just say incredibly intense, charged, loaded. Trauma can come up in that space. But I think there is something really elegant about this process because Sometimes it can feel very hard to find a therapy or a coaching resource that can help you with workplace trauma. Mm. And when we can start to just separate out and map the different pieces of this issue, it it can be easier to say, I need help processing a bunch of charge Mm -hmm. around something that is happening for me Mm -hmm. versus coming and be like, what am I going to do about Steve at work and all this stuff? And there's so many layers. Mm -hmm. So this can be one way that we divide it out to get the support we need. Meredith, is there anything else you would like to leave us with around this topic of accountability and when we encounter bullying or when we're afraid of being called a bully or a bad colleague or an outlandish person in the workplace, just what do you want people to remember about what's possible in being empowered? One of the most important steps you can take is know when you need to take a break, know when you need to take a minute, know when you need to separate, do your own work to get down to the math of what's happening. And then know when you need to get support around that. Like I'm saying it in kind of a simplistic way, but for me, this has been years of actively doing work on this and Mm -hmm. actively like for myself 
in order to say, I am someone who's going to use the word racist in a workplace and I'm not going to not do that. That is years of me also coming to terms with my own white supremacy, my own Mm -hmm. unintentional harm Mm -hmm. doing, but harm doing nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And so when we need, and, and years of getting support around that. So know when you need to separate, if you're feeling defensive, breathe, take a breath, know that that's the space where you can neutralize, de-escalate, let things be math and own what is yours in the math equation. If you're thinking about it as a math equation and you want the number four and you're bringing a two and someone else is bringing a one, you can ask for them to bring a two or you can find another one to make the equation. And when I'm saying that sometimes the math is people do not get touched in the workplace. Sometimes yeah. the math is people do not describe each other in the workplace. Yeah. You sometimes, just stay really focused on what you want. Yeah. Sometimes the math is we bring in $23 million into the workplace. Know what the math is of your goal in the situation. Mm-hmm. Know what the math is of your actions mm-hmm. towards the goal and understand what you need to ask for for the math on the other side to -hmm. get the goal that you want. And if your goal and the workplace goal is not aligned, that's an interesting space to explore. That's where creativity exists. That's where the conflict can lead to something beautiful and where you can let that conflict sit a little bit to see what's possible. I think this is so helpful and generative, and it is still only the beginning. We are going to continue to talk through some of the edges and issues around this. And so this is the point in the episode where we say, share your questions and challenges. Where has it been hard to sort out your role versus someone else's in the workplace? Where is it hard for you to separate the charge from the math? Or are there any places in your life where you would like support getting someone else to take accountability where you're just stuck and you need, you need an extra ear? send us a message. Let us know your situation. We would love to tackle it with you on a future episode. Meredith, how can people write in? They can just go to erisresolution.com slash story. So E-R-I-S resolution.com story. Send us your questions and we look forward to hanging out with you again next time on Power Communication. Yay. The Empower Communication podcast is produced by Same Team Media, music, by Sarai Johnson.